Blog Talk Radio. I cannot do day with the moral and rain, if shadow or sunshine or rain. Oh, Lord, I know rule of over everything, and all of my worry is vain. Living my faith, it pieces of Trusting
Bible meeting first of September and one at the end of September as well. So please pray for me that God will give me what I need and help me so I can be a blessing to them and Hugo and down in, in Rosanke, Texas as well, because I sure want to be a blessing and it's an honor to be able to, to be asked to do that and uh, I want God's power. So please be praying for me in advance. I feel like I need time and prayer that far ahead out. Amen. I, I do. So please pray for me. Um, anything, anything, anybody else got? Yes. Yes, we do. We need to pray for Bonnie. We need to pray for Scott. Phyllis and Scott. Um, who else? Miss Charlotte. That's right, Miss Charlotte. Brother Dan, how you how you feeling? You fell down. I took your hand earlier. I can tell. Well, you got a smile on your face. That's a good. That's a good thing to have. Everybody else okay? Yeah, we are. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a birthday. Thank you. But uh, anyway, y'all. Yeah, we'll pray in just a minute. Sure will. We'll pray in just a minute. Anybody else? Anything we need to mention before we go to the Lord and pray? Y'all please pray for my friend Carl Cullum. Um, they're having a hard time. They're struggling physically. Anybody else? Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to meet with us. I, you know, like the song says, all is vain. Man, we need to pray for God's presence to be felt here this morning. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. Turn to number 40 with me. Number 40. Are you washed in the blood? If I'm guessing, I'd say all of you would, but I, I, I'm i assuming by your testimony, I think that's what everybody's told me, though. Praise God. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? You are. Let's sing it loud and strong this morning. Have you been to Jesus? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in his grace? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood? In the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's foot? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh to your robe, be white 
Number 58, we're going to say kneel at the cross. Amen. That's what we need to do. If we, we, come, we come for salvation, just kneel at the cross. God's got all we need. Amen. Kneel at the cross. Christ comes while he waits for you. Listen his voice. Leave within your care. And I 
10 this morning, and we're going to finish this chapter. We got we got through verse 12 last week, and remember last week we talked about the examples that God gave through the children of Israel in the wilderness and how they, they sinned against God and how they were examples and warnings to the, to the church. Uh, you know, again, we look back to the Old Testament, we read, we read the Bible, we read the stories of the Bible, you know, <clears throat> You say, well, I'm not. We're not Israel. We're the church. We're not the. Well, look, God, God allowed those things to happen in the lives of the children of Israel for, for, well, for a great purpose. God called out a people unto Himself to show His love, and He chose a people who He called a, a stiff-necked people. They were hard-hearted, stiff-necked, hard-headed some of the most stubborn people on the entire planet. And to this day, still, some of the most stubborn, hard-headed people on the planet. Now, I ain't got nothing against them, but I'm just telling you, they really, truly are. And and God chose that, I believe, for a reason, to show what he loves. I mean, he can love anybody. I mean, and he, he is merciful to anybody who will, who will accept his mercy. But uh, let's go ahead. I want you to read, uh, just to catch our, our place here, and I want you to remember that, that for several chapters here, we just kind of need to set our place where we're at this morning. Remember for several chapters that have been warning. Paul has been warning them against idolatry and fornication. There have been many, many numerous warnings against those two things, and we are going to kind of come to the close of this section this morning in the Bible on idolatry and fornication, but I was bringing it all to a head, so one more time we're going to visit all this stuff and kind of wrap it all up, put a bow on it this morning. But he's addressing these things. Remember, you remember, too, how, how they kind of questioned Paul a little bit, his apostleship, and, and uh, you know, are you really that? Are you really an apostle? Are you really uh, in charge? I mean, they kind of, kind of got a little bit uppity with him, and and uh, kind of telling him how things were going to be, and <coughs> so Paul was kind of put them in their place. He kind of did that. So he did that in the last chapter, and he certainly is doing it here with uh, with with scripture. So again, let's go ahead and read chapter ten. We'll read down through what we had last week, and then we'll get into the message, and we'll. We'll try to get through it in this timely manner. He said, Moreover, brethren, I would not have that ye should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So again, this is what the warnings are all about. Neither be idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. 
is unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition or our learning upon whom the ends of the world are come. And certainly we are living in that hour where it seems like the ends of the world are come upon us here. And we need this truth. We need this teaching. We need these reminders and these warnings in 2023. And the Bible tells us, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take food, lest he fall. The person who thinks they're okay. The person who thinks, I'll be all right. Don't worry about me. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. you got to be concerned about that one. That's the person who's in danger of wrecking their life. Because if you think you've got it all together, you better. Your arms folded. The devil is working behind you to disrupt everything you've got. Because the Bible tells us very plainly in Proverbs, as we have studied, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. Let he that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Pride goeth before destruction. So, again, Paul is warning them because he knows that some of them in the church are proud. They, they think they're more influential and more important than he. And, and he's an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, again, he's warning them and warning them and warning them because he sees the corruption that is there in that church. He sees the corruption that maybe they don't even see. He sees the seeds of corruption working in their life. He sees the seeds of these sins that are festering and germinating and growing into things in their lives, in their in their wives' lives, in their children's lives. And he knows what goes on down the road if you let this sin go to seed on you. And that's what we're going to warn about this morning. Because listen, we could we could put a title on this and say. What does a Christian do with this, with questionable things? That would be a good title for it. Uh, but, but we're going to really look at that this morning because we're looking at liberty. What can I do in the Lord? What can I not do in the Lord? And, and, and these warnings that God has given. So let's get into it and let's look at it this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, I just love you. I thank you, Father, for your love for me and your love for your people. And, Lord, I know that we need you this morning. Holy Spirit of God, I'd be a fool to stand up and try to preach without your power, and I beg you for your power. I beg you to cleanse me and forgive me of any sin in my life. Lord, I need your power, and I feel the lack of it this morning. I need you. Touch me. Breathe on me. Lord God, put your hand on me and preach through me today. I'm your servant. I'm your instrument, Lord. I want you to fill every fiber of my being. I want you to use these lips for your glory. Please, Fill my mind with the thoughts you'd have me to speak. And, Lord, pour me out for your people, Lord. They need you this morning. They need to hear from you today. Lord, the people that are tuning in to watch this later, Lord, they need you. Those that are watching now need you. Lord, help us all to realize our great urgent, uh, desperate need for you and your presence in this hour we live in. Holy Spirit of God, do what we cannot do. Show yourself in here today through the Word of God. Speak into our hearts. Change us. Make us different. Mold us into the image of Christ, we pray and we beg you, Lord, that we might make a difference in this last hour where we live it in. God, please meet with us now. We beg and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Beginning with verse 13 this morning, after he had just warned them that the man who thinks he's standing, he better take heed or pay attention because he's liable to fall. He goes into this verse right here. It says, There hath no temptation taken you, 
But it's such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will, with the temptation, may also make a way of escape that you be Okay? And then verse 14 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, flee from idolatry. First of all, let's start off here with this. this there have no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Now, before we take this verse out of context, like people do all the time, and they do all the time, and I'm going to clear that up for you here in just a minute, but let's, let's understand what Paul's referring to. Let's put the verse in context. The context is these common sins. Common sins. These common temptations. What are we talking about? Probably what he's been discussing, wouldn't you think? Well, he probably talking about the common sin of fornication that people fall into. This world's beat up with sex. It's on every TV channel. It's on. It's in every movie. It's in every book that's written. Uh, you can't hardly find anybody writes anything. You got a sexual scene in it or, or words of that nature, and you can't find a movie or a television show that doesn't use words of that nature. It's in every. It's in all thinking all around the world. People think about it all the time. And Paul knew that, and he warned them about that. And he's telling them, there is no, listen, now, you're going through the same thing that everybody else around the world is going through. Everybody deals with the, with the temptation. Everybody deals with that at one time or another. Everybody, listen, hey, he says, flee from idolatry. Now, surely... In here in a Baptist church on a Sunday morning, we wouldn't have anybody in here who would even be touched by that sin one way or the other. But I dare say, I dare say, if we fished around in our life, we'd find some things. So what is idolatry? It's putting anything ahead of God. You, you, you mean I've got to have a temple somewhere and a, and a statue somewhere that I go bow down to? No, you don't have to have that to, to be an idolater. My, you know, one one of our biggest forms of identity is social media. You know, people that when they when they're constantly in a state of taking pictures of themselves, you know what they're worshiping? They're worshiping their own image. You say, oh, they yes, they are. They really are. You say well, they they don't know they're doing. Maybe they don't realize what they're doing. But let's be honest. If you're obsessed with taking pictures of yourself, you are in love with yourself, and you are you are obsessing over yourself, and that is called idolatry. I, I don't know. I don't know anybody here probably got that problem. Aren't y'all glad? <laughs> but there's people listening to me that do have that problem. There's people that knows people who do have that problem, and and some of them are nice nice ladies, right? But they just have a thing about taking their picture all the time. Uh, it, it's still, it's it's still idolatry. You say, well, you're getting that quickly. Well, I'll give you another one. What goes in here? Money. Love of money is the root of all evil. It's idolatry when money becomes more important to you than church. When money becomes more important to you than things of God. When money becomes more, when, when, well, let me put it this way, when buying material things that you don't need becomes more important to you 
than taking care of God's work in, in, right before you by idolatry. So that's my money. I do whatever I want to pay. Okay. You can. Nobody will stop you. But it still doesn't change what it is. I can get ticky-tack with this. I can make you uncomfortable if you want me to. I'm not, that's not my point, but God will do it if he wants to. I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to preach what God's put in front of me. <clears throat> but the fact of it is, the lusts of the flesh are common. Everybody deals with it. And if we're not careful, if we're not warned about it, it can get out of hand. It can ruin our Christian life. It can ruin our relationships in our life. It can ruin our testimony before the world. It can destroy any good that we would have done for God if we don't pay attention and take heed to what God is warning us about. Common temptations of the flesh. So there's no temptation taking you. Nothing has shown up in your life but such as everybody else goes through. But the Bible says that God is faithful. Aren't you glad of that? That God is faithful, that God doesn't change and wake up one day. Oh, God doesn't wake up at all, does he? Amen. Aren't you glad God doesn't wake up? Amen. I'm glad. I'm glad I never get up in the middle of the night. I got a problem with me. God, what time God to get up? I talk to him. Aren't you glad of that? I'm glad God doesn't sleep. Hallelujah. That'd be awful, wouldn't it? Hallelujah. God's faithful. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank God he's always faithful. 1 John 1, 9, one of the best verses in the Bible, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is he cleansing with? The blood of Jesus, his son. Amen. Hallelujah. And God's Your sin off. Nope, I ain't touching you. Nope, God doesn't do that. God is every time like clockwork. He's better than clockwork. He's faithful. The Bible says he's faithful. And what is he faithful in? Verse 13 tells us he will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. <clears throat> Let me just say this. A friend of mine this week, bless her heart, I'll pray for her and her husband. She had posted a, a little thing on Facebook. And, you know, I don't know if she wrote it or she found it, posted it. But I think she wrote it. She said, I know the Bible says that God won't put more on you than you can handle. But sometimes I wonder. Well, and in love, I responded to that. I said, well, the problem is, is that you're, you have the wrong interpretation of that scripture. Because God will put more on you than you can handle. He absolutely will. Amen? I, I can attest to that. God has put more on me than I can handle. How many of y'all would say, God put more on you than you could handle? All right, okay. And, and God wasn't being mean when he did that. But it does not say that he won't send you more than you can handle. And uh, whoever came up with that definition of this verse is wrong, amen? Because it, what it means is, it says, he will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but that doesn't mean there isn't a way out. So there's a way out. The Bible says he but will with the temptation, 
also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So well, he won't put on us more than we can bear. Yeah, he will. But how do you bear it? Because he gives you an escape. That's how. And he'll make a way for us to escape the temptation. You say, well, how do I do that? When the temptation comes, let me tell you something. When the temptation comes, When that time comes and you're in the thought process, I think it was Martin Luther who said, you can't keep a bird from flying around your head, but you can keep it from building a nest. Okay? If it lands, knock it off. Don't let it build a nest. You sit there, and that thought may fly around your head for a minute, but once it sits there and starts building a nest, you're in trouble. God will give you a way out. What is the way out? The Bible says we're to flee. That's what it says. It says we are to flee. But when we flee, we're to flee to something, to someone. He is our way of escape. Listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 through 10. Paul said, unless I should be exalted, Above measure, abundance of the revelations. Paul, you know, Paul, he he was out of the body, and, and he was coming to third heaven. He heard things that weren't lawful to speak, and he came back. God put him back in his body, and he presence of God, and heard all kinds of things. And here he come back, and he's now he's back in his body again. Well, what I do with all this information I just got? The Bible said there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. He had some temptation on him. He was tempted, first of all, to say things that he shouldn't say. And then and then God put temptation on him because he allowed this whatever this thorn in the flesh was that came to him that was aggravating that caused him some grief and he was tempted and really had because he went to him three times about it. Says my grace is made perfect when it reaches your 
you. It's not your strength, Paul. It's not your ability to make it, Paul. It's my ability to carry you now. You understand what I'm saying? That's a wonderful place to be. It's the difference between walking and riding a horse. Amen? Listen, you can walk a hot sun. This whole lot better be on a horse, buddy. Amen. God, God's strength will carry you when you're too weak to go on your own. Amen. So He's one. He's telling them, "Look, you gotta understand how weak you really are. You need God. He's going to be there in your moments. Just gotta be warned them about it. Didn't mean the weakness wasn't gonna show up. Didn't mean the temptation wasn't gonna be there. It's going to be there just because you're sitting in a bad discussion, Lord. Don't mean you're not gonna get tempted at all either. You're going to get tempted. You can count that. It's going to happen. The devil's going to tempt everybody in here at one time or another. So what I do when I'm weak, I flee to my escape. I flee. The Bible tells us in verse 14 to flee from idolatry. You know, why, did he, why would he say that? I think, here's what I think. I think because some of them in the church, they had gotten to the point where they felt like they were strong enough to believe in right? I can go back to that temple and hang out with my old friends and, and show them what a Christian looks like. And I, I'm worried about what's going on in that temple. I know I used to participate in it. I know there's, I know there's, there's things of a sexual nature in there that I shouldn't be around. But, hey, I'm strong enough now. I go up there and it won't bother me. That's foolish. That's so foolish. That'd be like me saying, you know what? This week I'm going back to the honky talks and I'm going to witness it. Every, I'm going to go back to honky talk every Friday and Saturday night. I'm going to witness every Friday and Saturday night. That'd be stupid, you know that? Years ago, I used to play guitar in a honky-tonk. I used to sing in a honky-tonk. Years ago, in my 20s, I did. Quite a bit. For several years. I wouldn't dare go back there now. I've had people say, Oh, I believe Jesus, that's where he goes now. If he's back there, he goes to honky-tonk. No, he wouldn't either. And he'd run them all out there. There wouldn't be no honky-tonk. You talk about close up the honky-tonk, Jesus will close up the honky-tonk. Amen. It wouldn't be no more. But praise God. Listen, I'm not going back there. I'm not going back to the places I used to hang out with, the people I used to hang out with. No, the Bible tells me in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, please, fornication, don't go around those places. Stay away from it. Get away. Yeah, that's one way to avoid temptation is to get away from it. He said, every sin a man doeth is without the body, but he that committed fornication... Sins against his own body. So Paul has warned him. He's warned him. Verse 6, he warned about being dissatisfied with God's provision. Boy, that's a terrible place to get to. When you when you just ain't happy with what God's doing in your life, and you're dissatisfied and sour on what God's doing. Verse 7 warned us against idolatry and the devilish behavior associated with it. They sat down and eat and rolls up to play. They were doing some... Some, some very raunchy dancing and carrying on some other things that was going on. Verse 8 warned them against sexual perversion or fornication. Verse 9 and 10 warned against complaining and trying to handle God's business yourself. So many people, so many people I've seen that happen, they get saved, they get in church, and they get discouraged over something, and they go back and they take back control over their life once they gave to God. And then their end now is worse than it was before they got saved. Because now they're God's child. They're trying to live in the devil's world without God's help. It's, it's a shame, but it happens. So Paul says, you know, he, he sent all those warnings. Verse 15, he said, I speak as to wise men. Judge ye what I say. Kind of odd, because I remember back in chapter 3, he said, I couldn't speak to you as unspiritual, but as unto 
carnal. He was under babes in Christ. And here he says, I speak unto you as wise men. And you know what he's saying? He's not saying wise men spiritually. He's saying, y'all are wise according to the flesh. I know y'all know what I'm talking about. I know you know the temptations I'm talking about. Y'all have grown up in this world. You've been out there. You've done these things. I know you know where I'm coming from. So judge ye when I say, this cup of blessing which we bless, it is not the communion. I'm sorry, I'm back there. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread in which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? We being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Now let me just hit this real quick. Judge you what I say, okay? We're supposed to judge righteous judgment. So, again, that, that flies right in the face of all them judge, judge not, judge not, people. God tells us to judge. If we don't make righteous judgments, we're going to be in a mess constantly. We're supposed to judge, amen? But God says here, he, he says through Paul in, in, in verse 16, listen to what he's saying. He's, he's, he's now drawing a picture for them to understand. He said, the cup of blessing which we bless. He's talking about this table right here. What happens at this table? Lord's Supper. He's talking about communion. See there? He said, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? Amen? We, we bless that cup of blessing together. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? He says, we, we being many are one bread. We being many are one bread. That's we being many are one bread. When we take communion, we are all like-minded, aren't we? All right, we're all coming together in agreement over the fact that Jesus Christ has died for our sins, he paid for our sin death, his body was broken on the tree, and his blood was shed. And we gather in communion or agreement around that very thing. All right, it, it says we all, we're all together, we're one bread, so that's, that's, our, that's our communion with each other, and we're all partakers uh, of that one bread, which means that's our communion with Christ. So... So when we gather together and we, we share that cup of blessing and, and the bread, that is, that again, that's agreement with each other and with Christ. All right? So, again, that's, that's, the, that's probably what the Last Supper. That's the communion cup. And, by the way, just throw this in for no extra charge, but, but there were four cups that Jesus would have drank during that supper. Four cups. The cup of sanctification, the cup of celebration, the cup of blessing, and the cup of praise or consummation. The time when he, when the Bible said he took the cup, that was the third cup. That's, that's the cup of blessing. And the Bible said he took the cup, and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. They drank of that cup of blessing together. And he said unto them, this is the blood of my New Testament, which is shed for many. Amen. Wasn't just shed for them. Amen. Shed for me too, praise God. Amen. Verse 25, verily I say unto you. He said, now listen, this is the third cup. There's four of them. He said, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. That cup of consummation, the cup of everything being done, the cup of praise, that's not coming until we get up there. Amen. And we sit down with him and we drink that last cup together with him. Hallelujah. But he's saying here, he's saying that, that, that they, they had communion with each other, and they had communion with God. Agreement with each other, agreement with God. 
Then he shifts away from the Gentile church, and he puts the focus on Israel for a minute. Look at verse 18. He said, Behold, Israel after the flesh. Look at, look at the Jews. He said, Are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? So he gives a second example here of the Jews going to the temple to offer sacrifices. So picture in your mind, here comes a Jew and his family to the temple, and, and they bring in a little lamb to offer for sacrifice. They bring that lamb into the priest. They would kill that lamb. They'd pour the blood out. They would skin that lamb, and then they would take that, the meat off that lamb, and then the portion of that meat would be offered to God as a sacrifice. A portion of that meat would be taken by the priest for them to eat. And the rest of it would be given back, and they would take that home to their family, and they would share in that. So what happened there? Well, they brought that lamb, and they had communion with God. And then they had communion together. Again, it's a picture. We have communion with agreement with each other and agreement with God. Same thing at the Lord's table. Same thing happened in the temple. Paul's drawing a picture to show them in verse 19. He said, what said I then? What am I trying to show you here? That the idol is anything? That idol, is it, is it, is it something? Is it a problem? He said, or that which is offered and sacrificed to idols, is anything? Is it, is it, is there, is there any problem in that thing? Isaiah 41, 29 says, behold, they are all vanity, talking about idols, all emptiness. Their works are nothing. Their molten images are wind and confusion. Paul said about these things in verse 20, but I say that the things with the Gentile sacrifice, because he said we know that idols nothing. He said that back in the last chapter, I believe it was. Things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. I would not that you should have sacrifice with devils. So again, there was some who were saying, we, you know, we can hang out with our old friends. We can hang out with the old crowd. We, we can run with them and, and watch what they watch and do what they do. He said, I can go to the movies. It don't hurt me a bit. I can go and watch that movie. It don't bother me. I watch it on TV. It don't bother me. I listen to that music. It don't bother me. I can go to these places and go and do things for the rest of the world. It don't bother me. It's what you think. And they didn't think it was bothering them to go and do the things that they did in their world either. But yet, the golden calf, the temple of Baal Peor, the idols, fornication, the lust of the flesh, all these things Paul warned them about earlier in the chapter, they're all associated with pagan worship. Every bit of that. And the Apostle Paul giving them all examples and warnings to wake up and realize that, they, that, that they're no different from the Israelites. You can fall down just as easy as they did. They were God's chosen people, led out by the hand of God, and they still fell right in front of him. Who do you think you are? Verse 21, he said, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Again, when we fellowship, when we commune here, we're communing with each other and communing with God. 
when they would go into that pagan temple, sit down at that pagan feast, they were communing with those pagans or they were communing with the pagan God. They put themselves right back into it. Was the eye, did that mean the idol became something? No, but there were symbols behind what they do. Keep, your, keep that in mind. I know we live in a world where we would really just rather not think about the spiritual realm. I know we don't want to think about devils existing and being real. We don't want to think about perhaps some people in this world are possessed with devils, and that's why they act the way they do. Maybe that's why they have the problems that they have some of. Maybe that's why away from the sexual perversion. Maybe that's why they can't come out of the closet. I mean, can't get back in the closet. Maybe, maybe that's why. It's because there's devils at work. We need to realize this. Baptist people who let Pentecostals scare them completely away from the spiritual realm. Completely. And we need and, and we need to be right in the thick of it because God called us to be foot soldiers in the battle. But yeah, we don't want to talk about or think about stuff like that because that's spooky. Well, let me tell you something. The devil's real. And the devil's really after people. He, he's really after people. And he's really to try. He, he'll, he'd rather, he had rather attack a Christian than a non believer. You say, why in the world? And he can't get you, but if he can stop you, then he can keep a lot of other people going there. Devil's in a law prevention business. He's trying not to lose anything. So he's trying to cause as many chaotic scenes as he can in the lives of believers to keep us looking bad for the world. Where they go, oh, I don't want none of that. That's just like us. They ain't no different. Why? Why I want to get dressed up and go down to church house and that preach talk for an hour, boring message? Well, I ain't no different than the rest of them. Amen. The Bible says Deuteronomy four twenty three through twenty four. Take heed to yourselves. Take heed to yourselves. Lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath forbidden thee. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. Yeah, God's jealous. And God does not God does not like us playing footsie with the world. God does not like us playing footsie with the things that this world holds up higher than him. Verse 23, listen to what Paul said. Paul said, all things are lawful to me. Listen, I can do whatever I wanted to do, he's saying. I'm saved. I've been washed. I'm clean. God's forgiven my sins. I'm not going to hell. I, listen, I'm not under the law of Moses. I, I can eat what I want to eat. I can go where I want to go and do what I want to do. He said, all things are lawful for me. But hold on a minute. But not all things are expedient. Well, what does that word mean? That means not all things are beneficial. Not all things are good for me. All things are lawful, but all things edify not. Everything that I do doesn't build other people up. Everything that I do is not profitable to other people. So the things that I do that are are the opposite of being profitable, the things that I do that are opposite of being helpful, those things, though they're lawful for me, I probably shouldn't do them because it hinders what I'm 
trying to do with my life. If the point of my life and the point of your life, and it very well should be, because all of us are here claiming to be Christians, I'm working against myself, I'm not doing a good job. If everything I'm doing shoots holes in me trying to do that, then I need to reassess the way I'm doing things. So Paul said, hey, I can do whatever I want, but everything's going to help. Everything's not going to be beneficial. Weakness in my flesh is fertile ground for the devil to sow thorns. When I get weak and I, and I don't get turned to God for my strength and I try to handle myself, Again, I just make a I just make a mess of things. And our liberty may become bondage for ourselves, and it could also become bondage for somebody else watching us. Verse twenty four, he said, Let every he said, Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. That doesn't mean I don't need to I need to quit trying to make my own money and start trying to steal money from other people. That is not what that means. That's what it sounds like. You can read it that way, but that's not what it says. It means I will not spend my life focused on trying to be a rich, wealthy man. I should spend my time trying to be profitable spiritually, not necessarily materially, but trying to help others to be profitable spiritually. I tell you, again, I, I, I take my friend Leo. That's what he does. That's that. He, that, matter of fact, I think I want to say him and his wife. They, if they hadn't sold their place, they don't have much of anything left. They pretty much travel all the time. And and the the man Dick Bass who makes all those crosses for them, I just saw the other day when him and his wife are selling their property and everything they got, and they're buying a, they're buying a uh, a motor home so they can just go here, there, and yonder. And 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 they're also going to get on the road doing the trailers as well. So again. They, they, they saw that there's better things to do with your life than just sit around and have a bunch of stuff. It's serving God with what you have, trying to do something for the Lord. And, again, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. First Corinthians 9.19, Paul said, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. In other words, I, I made myself a servant, a slave to others, that, that, that they may come to know Christ. Philippians 2, 4 and 5 Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus didn't come trying to build a kingdom down here on earth when he came this last time. He came down here on earth to give everybody everlasting life. He came down here to give everybody else his kingdom. He came down here to open the invitation, the door of invitation, anybody that wanted to come. That's what Christ did. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That we're not to build a kingdom, we're to bring others to the kingdom. Verse 25. I'm going to hurry and we're going to get through this real quick. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat taking no question for conscience sake, for the Lord is the earth, earth is the Lord rather, and the fullness thereof. 
whatever sold in the shambles, okay, again, a lot of times the meat markets, uh, the meat, that, that's what that is. That's the meat market. But the meat markets, they took the meat from the temples. When the te- after the temples, they did their service and had all their meat go before the idols, and it was taken. The, the meat market bought it up. They brought it in there, and people came by and bought meat. It wasn't advertised as this was offered to this idol, this was offered to this idol. It's just a meat market at that point. They're just trying to profit off of it. We got all these extra meat. Let's sell it. Make some money. That's what they're doing. So everybody, that's where they went and bought their meat. And, and again, do you know that every piece of meat there was offered to an item? Not necessarily. A lot of it was probably, but you don't know what was and what wasn't. So Paul says, whatever sold there, that eats, taking no question for conscience sake. So don't go through there going, hey, You ever, you ever heard that saying, what you don't know can't hurt you? Yeah, well, that's kind of the case. That's kind of where that was. What you don't know won't hurt you. All right? So if you don't know it was offered to, to Zeus, then you should eat it. Don't worry about Zeus, amen? Uh, but if it's good for you, eat it as a piece of meat that's good for you. You know, again, he said, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Every head of livestock belongs to God anyway before anybody else takes it. And I want you to understand, this passage of Scripture, this part here, probably doesn't really affect us a lot because we don't live in a world that's full of idols that we're worth sacrifice meat to. Now, if we lived in India, this would be very important to us. This is a very powerful, important piece of Scripture in India because, they, again, they deal with this kind of thing all the time. But just so we understand this stuff, let's go ahead and read it real quick. He said, if any of them that believe, believe not. So you've got somebody who's a pagan who's not a believer. They bid you to a feast. They say, come over to my house, and you go over and eat with them, and you be disposed to go. Whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience sake. So if they bid you over there, maybe they did sacrifice it to an idol. But if they bid you to eat, and they sat down a plate of food in front of you, he said, just eat it. Don't ask them no questions. Don't have to. You don't have to ticky-tack everything. If you don't know, just eat it. He said, but if, they, if any man say it, now here's where, here's, where it gets, here's where it gets important. But if any man say it, this is offered in sacrifice to idols. He said, eat, don't eat it. Eat it not for his sake that showed it. For conscience sake, for the earth is not, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Again, he said the same thing. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. Again, this is not about you because you know that the idol is nothing. You know that the idol doesn't change that piece of meat one bit. It's still the same piece of meat regardless. He said, for why is my liberty judging another man's conscience? He, He said, for if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that which I give thanks? Again, I... It's about the other guy, not me. It's the other man. If that man comes by and he says, hey, here's a porterhouse steak. Man, I just cooked this thing. It's medium rare. That seeds up his right for me. Wow, for this to Medusa. Well, then Medusa needs it because I don't want it. Why? Because I don't want you to think I'm eating something, thinking about Medusa the whole time I'm eating this. And I'm sitting there 
talking about a woman got snakes coming out of her head. I'm the one that you sit here and think. I'm sitting here giving, paying homage to her while I'm chewing this steak. So, no, I don't want that. Now, there was anything wrong with it? But what would be wrong with it? That man handing you that would look at you and say, hey, Christian, what Christian? He, he don't mind playing pussy with Medusa. They ain't nothing to that Christianity. I ain't a real Christian. Look at what they'll do. They'll, they, don't, they don't have any morals. They don't have any scruples whatsoever. They'll do anything. Paul said, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. You know that ought to be the way we live our life. We don't live our life doing everything that we do to give honor and glory to God. And that should be that should be really our main concern because God is our main concern. I mean, he's He's the first great cause. I mean, he ought to be first place in our life. Amen? We ought to put him in first place in every area of our life. So when we, when we eat, we ought to give glory to God. We drink something, we ought to give glory to God. Whatever we're doing, it ought to be for the glory of God. And, and if you can't glorify God in something, you might want to question whether or not you can do it. Y'all know the name Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon used to smoke cigars. Most people don't know that about Charles Spurgeon. He was a big cigar smoker. And he smoked them right up to one day. He was strolling down the streets of London and he passed the cigar shop, and there was a display in the window that said, smoke the brand which Spurgeon smoked. Smote his heart. But I, that's not a very good testimony. And he quit smoking them. I do remember a story I read about him. They had a college... Of course, he taught preachers, young preachers, and they had gathered there early about 8 o'clock in one morning. They were having an outdoor thing, and, and there were some bleachers with all the preacher boys were going to meet, and he was going to stand down below and speak to them. And, and again, they, they all got out there, and Spurgeon was out there, and he, he cut the tip off his cigar, and he was lighting his cigar, and they seen him doing that, and a whole bunch of the rest of them pulled their cigars out, and they were lighting them a cigar, and he stepped back, and he said, out his pocket watch, he said, 8 o'clock in the morning, a little early for a cigar, boy, everybody went to put their cigars up. Our influence. Our influence. That's why. That's what, see, again, they saw nothing wrong with it until he saw something wrong with it. Influence. Testimony. It's powerful. Amen? And he said, if you can't, if you can't, Paul said, if you can't do it for the glory of God, well, guess what? Probably don't need to do it. He said, give none offense. Neither Jews nor Gentiles nor the church of God. I want you to notice right there, there's three kinds of people in this world, and that's it. God divided the world in three groups right there. There's Jews, there's Gentiles, and there's the church of God, and that's it. That's the only three kinds of people on earth there is. Amen. And I'm, and, hey, I'm not a Jew or a Gentile. I'm part of the church of God. Amen. I'm, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm not what I used to be, praise God. Hallelujah. Paul said, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Let me ask you some questions, and we're going to go to the house. Is your life giving glory to God? Does your life give glory to God? If we put you on the spot this morning, could you explain how your life is giving glory to God right now? I'm not saying sitting in here this morning. I'm saying currently in your life. 
Are you offending people with the way you live? Are some of the things you do offensive to others when they see you as a Christian? Is the way that you're living keeping others from coming to Christ? Are you trying to be a pleasure in others' lives or are you being a bother in others' lives? Are you trying to profit off of others or are you trying to be a profit to others? The greatest blessing that you can ever be is to make others rich by giving them the greatest gift that has ever been given, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's important that we are careful in the way that we conduct ourselves, the way that we live, the way that we choose to do things, the things that we choose or choose not to do, because everything we do affects somebody else. Let's examine ourselves and make sure that we're not in danger of falling down and ruining our testimony before others. And if there's things in our life that God shows us that we need to make changes in, let's do that. Let's let's come to God and, and repent and ask God to give us uh, deliverance from the things that are that are causing us to to fall down testimonially before other people. Let's ask God to meet with us this morning and do a work in our lives. Let's stand together. We're gonna have a song of invitation in just a moment. We're gonna sing number one hundred and fifty three. He comes to the thing on it.
wants all. Amen. That's all he deserves. He deserves all. Amen. There ain't nothing in our life that doesn't belong to him. Remember that. There is there's not a there's not a square foot in your life that's all yours. It's all bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. Every bit. So let him have it. Let him make the most of it. Amen. Let him use it for his glory. All right, well, let's get ready to go home. Plan on being back here tonight at six. Hopefully it won't be raining tonight. I hope hope, hope the weather's pretty tonight. And everybody's able to get out and come back to church. We'll be back talking about Nehemiah. Nehemiah down there going around the walls of Jerusalem talking about fixing her up. Amen. All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to bless us and, and go home with us, take care of us as we go. And uh, Stephen, why don't you just bless us in a word of prayer?